we're going to continue today with transformation. Look at your neighbor and tell them, transformation? I believe all of you are in that process of being transformed. How many would agree with me that you're not the same as you were, you know, maybe a week ago, maybe a year ago? You're being transformed. And last week, I spoke on Saul becoming Paul, the Apostle Paul, and how like a butterfly, like a caterpillar, he was transformed. He went through a process of transformation. And all of you here today, every single one of you, no matter the youngest to the oldest, are still being transformed in the image of Christ. Amen? Just say this with me. I have not arrived. Because if you, if you tell me that you have arrived, we need to pray here at this altar specifically for you. None of you have arrived. None of you are perfect, just like Pastor Rick. And until we get to heaven, will we and can say, I have arrived. I am now perfected. Here in this earth, we're continually being transformed day by day. How many realize as you get older, it, it doesn't stop. Every week you learn something. You're being transformed in your mind. You're being transformed by not saying things when you just want to say something, right? How many know what I'm talking about? You're being transformed. That's a learned process. And, you know, we're, today we're going to talk about another character in the Bible that was transformed. And I think it's going to be a two-part because I'm not going to give you all the material today. But um, before we go there, how many have ever heard the expression, a bull in a china shop? Like a bull in a china shop. Maybe that's describing your childhood. Maybe that's describing one of your children. Um, how many had little kids that you just had to hold their hand because you could not trust them to do anything, right? You, if you went into a store, you're afraid they're going to knock things down. Because I, I go into Walmart, oh, and I see kids just tearing things up. I mean, there's things on the aisle that look like the good old days of Kmart, right? Blue light specials, you'd see everything on the floor, because kids just get out of control. They're like a bull in a china shop. And what that means, for those of you that may not have heard that expression, is it's to behave recklessly and clumsily in a place or situation where you're likely to cause damage or injury. And if you did cause damage, you were going to get more damage once you got home. Amen? And all the parents said amen. Yes. I remember as a young parent, going to visit people's homes and some, you know, there's some homes where things are really beautiful and you don't want to lose sight of your children because they might tip over that nice vase or that crystal or that beautiful plate that's on display and you want to hold on to your child because you don't want to let Raquel, I mean, anybody go out there to knock something down. How many can relate to that? Yes? Amen. Little children can be reckless at a very young age, but it's, it's not their fault at times because they don't know any better. Sometimes you just need to hold on to their hand. Amen? So today, as we continue on this topic of transformation, there's an individual that was impulsive, that was reckless. He was that bull in a china shop. And I'm talking about um, one of the most well-known personalities in the Bible, known as Simon Barjona. You might know him as Peter, Peter the Apostle. He was a very colorful character. He was a fisherman. 
Anybody here ever go deep sea fishing, go on a charter boat? You ever met those captains that, that, that command those boats? They're rough, gruff characters. They're not your, you know, office type people, you know, with real soft hands and, hey, how you doing? Come on in. Let's have a great time today. Hope you catch plenty of fish and limit out. These are gruff people. They look at you straight up, and if they don't use four-letter words and when they meet you, they will at some point. But that's how sea captains are, and that's how fishermen are. And that's what Simon Peter was. He was just like that. He was a rough character. So you're getting the image of what he was like. He was a rough fisherman, but he was bursting with energy, bursting with action. He was that bull in a china shop. During his first few years, as he followed Christ and his teaching, Peter would often just tear through the door. He was the type that would tell people, either lead, follow, or get out of my way, because he was coming through, right? Ever know somebody like that? Uh, they're the leaders. They're the ones that are busting through the doors. That was Peter. He didn't wait. He said what was on his mind without a filter. He didn't have a filter. He couldn't process before he spoke. He was by far the most outspoken of the 12 apostles. How many agree with that? Amen? Peter always said what was on his mind. But he had a strong personality. But in addition to that, he had his wisdom, he had strength, he had self-confidence, which often caused him to get in trouble as a young disciple of Christ. And I want to remind you today, as you're being transformed day by day, you may fall short in some areas. You may say, oh man, I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I did that. Why? Because God is still working on you. You're not perfected yet. You're not get, you haven't achieved the goal yet. We're on the way to achieving the goal. And just like Peter, there may be some of you here today with that type of personality. You're often reckless. You're often impulsive. You're often going back and saying, why did I do that? Because that was Peter's life. He would reflect later, why did I do that? Why did I say that? And... Uh, even though Peter was full of himself and stumbled at times, Jesus still had a plan for Peter. He still had a purpose for him. And God still has a plan and a purpose for your life, no matter what you may be feeling about your situation, about how you haven't been transformed into that person that you want to be. Well, let me tell you, you're on your way. You're not just stuck there. You're on your way to being completely transformed. Amen? Say transformation with me. Yes, that's what you are right now. You're being transformed. Now, you may, you may be here thinking that, that God could never use you to be a blessing because you don't feel that you're transformed. Just ask somebody that knows you, have I been transformed? Am I different? I promise you they will tell you. If you keep coming to church, if you keep reading the Word of God, if you keep praying blessings of transformation will continue to happen in your life and you will be a changed person. Every one of you in here that I've gotten to know are not the same person that I used to know years ago. My parents aren't the same that I used to know. You don't know the, the parliament smoking, Salem smoking parents that I grew up with. You don't know that, those couples, that couple, but I do. They're not the same people that I grew up with, and, and so forth. 
I could pick on each one of you and share a story, but I'm not going to do that. Amen? How many are thankful? Amen. Jesus still has a plan for you to use you in his kingdom today. You are not excluded from that plan. Each of you are part of his plan. So I want to take you to a scripture today where Jesus is calling his very first disciples, and one of them is Peter. If you have your Bible, it'll be on the screen for you up above, but it's in the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. How many books in the New Testament? Very good. Yes, yeah, someone remembered Matthew chapter 4. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 4. Starting in verse 18 through 20, Jesus calls his first disciples in this passage. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Let me just say that last sentence again. At once they left their nets and followed him. At once they left their nets and followed him. You see, transformation was already taking place right in that moment. They had to drop everything they knew in that moment to follow Jesus. Let's pray for the rest of this sermon, Lord. Today, we come before you right now, and I pray, God, that you would just bring anointing to these words. Lord, help us to open our hearts and our minds to receive your word today. Again, we thank you for the preciousness of your word and transformation in our lives. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So for these next few moments, I just want to speak to you on how Peter was transformed. And I'm really going to touch on the, the transformative part of his life probably next week because I, I won't be able to get to it today. But how many know Peter was just an ordinary man? Typically, when you were a fisherman, you weren't the most educated man. You weren't the most educated in your field. You just knew how to fish. That was his field, and there's nothing wrong with that. He was a fisherman. He was an ordinary man. Everybody say, he was an ordinary man. Ordinary. I'm looking at you. I see greatness here, but we're just ordinary people, aren't we? If God can use Peter, he can use you. He can use you, and, and you got to quit saying that he can never use you. God can use every single one of you here today. And as Jesus was gathering up his disciples, calling them out, come and follow me. This is exactly how he picked all 12 disciples. He was looking for people that were hungering. And I believe Simon Peter was hungering for something different. I believe he wanted a difference in his life. He was tired of doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results and getting the same thing. He was tired of his life, and I believe his brother was in that same place. And God saw them and called to them, and they immediately dropped their nets and began to follow them. That just amazes me, how you could be doing something year after year after year, and here comes the Messiah, and just his words, which are alive and powerful and, and speak to your soul, to your spirit, they dropped everything they knew and began to follow him. They left their house. They left their car. They left, they left all their Gucci bags 
and uh, whatever else you may have, and, and left it all behind to follow this person that spoke to them. They were simple fishermen. God saw them and called them to follow him. God calls ordinary people, and all he wants from us is for us to obey him. He, he didn't ask Peter to do anything spectacular. Just follow me. Follow me, and let's see where we go. Let's see where we can take this. That's all God is asking you today. Follow him. Walk in obedience with him. Amen? Now, by choosing Peter and his brother, it also proves something else to us, that God isn't looking for the highly educated people. If you happen to be highly educated, good for you. I'm glad you got a PhD. I'm glad you got who will have someone here in a couple of weeks who has a PhD, a speaker here. But God's not necessarily looking for that. None of the 12 disciples outside of Dr. Luke had any type of education. Luke was the only one. He was known as a physician. All the others, others were just ordinary people. They were librarians. They were nurses. They were teachers. And on and on and on, construction workers. They weren't highly educated people, as you and I would call them. But it just proves one thing, that God can use the simple things of life to do extraordinary things, because that's what he did with Peter. He chose a simple person to do extraordinary things, which we're going to see. Now, Peter was a simple fisherman who struggled with self-assurance. He struggled with his identity, I'm sure. He even denied Christ, which we're not going to have time to get to today. That's the, the big part of this story. But he depended oftentimes on his own ability and his own strength. If you recall the stories of Peter in the gospel, that's what he did. He was that bull in the china shop. I'll take care of business. Here I am. I'll pull this sword out. And he attempted to do things in his own power. But the truth is, God... Jesus is seeking those who obey him. He knows you have talents. He knows you have abilities. But he's saying is, put aside those abilities and trust me, obey me, and I'll lead you and I'll give you greater abilities than what you have. I'll lead you to something greater than you even can think or imagine. Amen? God sees something in each of you. He's not just calling Peter's. He's not just calling Paul's into this world. He's calling you, you and you and you and you. Each one of you are so important to him. He has a purpose for each of you. Jesus saw something in Peter because he saw who he was going to be. You know, I, I truly believe this, that when Jesus sees each of you, he doesn't see you as you are right now. He sees you as the completed person that he knows you're going to be. He, he doesn't see that struggling, you know, 18-year-old, 20-year-old, 30-year-old, 80-year-old. He sees the perfected version of who you are. That's who he sees. And I believe that that's what he saw when he, when he called Peter. He saw the disciple Peter at the very end. He saw the Peter that was going to go through a lot in his life, the transformed Peter. Amen? In another passage I want to share with you in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, Jesus calls on Peter again. John chapter 1, starting in verses 41 through 42. 
The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The word Cephas is an Aramaic word. Aramaic was one of the languages they spoke at that time. Jesus spoke Aramaic. He spoke Greek. Uh, he spoke the languages of that time. Everybody was bilingual, trilingual at that time. Uh, that's a shame on our country that we don't emphasize that enough in our country. But most countries are bilingual or trilingual or many uh, above and beyond that. And what Jesus was saying is that Cephas, which means little rock, little rock. Everybody say little rock. Why do we know that? Because Jesus is the rock. Jesus is known as the rock of our salvation. Amen? Peter, in Aramaic, it was Cephas. And, uh, and, and Peter, the name Peter in Greek actually means little rock. If you ever named your son, your grandson, Peter, that's what that means. Little stone, little rock. Solid, right? Somebody that you can count on. And that's what Peter was. And Jesus, at that moment, he recognized who Peter was going to be. Jesus, again, wants to remind you today that he's working on you. He sees the person that you're going to be. Don't get stuck in this, in this thinking that this season that you're going through is the way it's always going to be. It's not. Jesus is working on you. Amen? Jesus is working on every one of you, even if you consider yourself ordinary, just like Peter was. So the second point I want to share with you is that Peter, the ordinary man, witnesses the extraordinary. How many have ever thought of this, that the disciples walked with Jesus for three years? And the Bible tells us that not all the things that Jesus did are written down in the book or in the Bible. That it says that not, the Bible wouldn't be able to contain all the things that Jesus did. But how many have ever thought, it would have been amazing to walk with Jesus at that time. Anybody ever thought that or wondered, man, I wish I could have been in Capernaum or I wish I could have been at the uh, pool of Bethesda when he healed the lame person and, and healed the person that was blind, healed the, the mute and so forth. That would have been amazing to see miracle after miracle. Peter, this ordinary man, was witnessing for three years the extraordinary See, Jesus has a training ground for each of you. Jesus is training you right now, each of you, what you're going through to get you to the point where you can feel or fulfill the purpose he's created you for. Amen? Peter and, his, and the other 11 disciples spent three years walking with Jesus. They were witnesses to countless miracles, countless acts of supernatural faith. You think that... Uh, We've got a lot of supernatural stuff going on in our world today. Not even close. Back then, the miracles that were occurring were amazing. Were, were, and they still occur today. People here have been healed, too, supernaturally. But God is, he's never finished healing people. He's still continually healing people. Amen? And one of the things I know that when you're in the middle of all that, seeing miracles take place, your faith, what does it do? It increases. It increases to believe for prayers for other people to be healed and so forth. 
So that's what Peter saw. That's what the disciples saw. Day after day after day for three years, their faith was getting built up as they watched the extraordinary. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 and 25. The scripture says, Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease, everybody say every disease, and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. I can only imagine what that must have looked like. Every day witnessing something supernatural taking place. Peter saw people healed right in front of his eyes. Slowly, he was being transformed inside out. He was no longer that, that rough fisherman, that, that china in the, or that bull in the china shop. He was beginning to become transformed. Peter saw this taking place day by day. And these experiences were teaching Peter, giving him insight into what he was going to be doing in the future. He himself was going to be casting out demons and praying for those to, to uh, be healed. These were years of a training ground for Peter. You and I are on a training ground right now. You are facing training grounds. God is showing you things right now. He's teaching you things to get you to a place where you can serve your purpose. Some of you are still in that training ground, maybe in boot camp. You're barely starting your walk. And what he's doing is he's training you so that you can learn to, he, you can learn to use your time, your talents, and your treasures for the kingdom of God. See, God needs every one of you to put your boots to, to the ground, right? And start proclaiming the gospel. Start being the light of Christ that you need to be in your community. Even though you're an ordinary person. Amen. Peter was an ordinary man witnessing the extraordinary. And the next thing we discover is that Peter, the brave, ordinary man, he becomes brave in certain situations. How many know that faith, when faith arises, it causes you to do things that you normally wouldn't do? So let, let me just ask you this question. How many have ever done something brave and then later looked and, and thought to yourself, well, that was pretty stupid, right? I think that's, that's all of us at some point or another. We've done something that we thought was brave in that moment, and then later we reflected and said, well, man, I, I really could have gotten hurt, or I, I could have gotten shot or knifed or whatever it was. Some of us have been there in those situations, and, you know, bravery and stupidity are only separated by a small margin, amen? It depends on what side you come out on. And, and Peter was a brave man, but often reckless man, right? He would do things. He would just be so impulsive. And uh, let's take a look at this scenario in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 23 through 32. Matthew 14, 
verses 23 through 32, and we have this on the screen as well. After he had dismissed them, this is Jesus, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake, walking on the water. Verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. And then verse 20, 28, here's Peter. It's only Peter. Nobody else spoke up, but just Peter. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And what did Jesus say? Come. What did I say? Jesus is only looking for obedient servants. How many here want to be obedient? You want to be obedient? Amen. Then Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, everybody say immediately. That's important. When you and I cry out to the Lord to save me, what does Jesus do? Immediately. The Bible says Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. There is so much there that I could take in so many different areas because of what Peter did. Peter sees Jesus. His faith is, is increased. He's seen the countless miracles, supernatural, and he's even thinking of stepping out in the water. He says, Jesus, if that's you, beg me, call me to come out to you. And Jesus said, come, come. And Peter, by faith, steps out and starts walking on the water, just like this, walking on the water. And the Bible says, notice this, that the minute he took his eyes off of Jesus, the minute he got distracted, he allowed himself to get distracted by what was going on around him, he began to sink. You and I are going to fall and, and sink when we take our eyes off of Jesus. You have to take your, keep your eyes on Jesus no matter what's going on around you. Amen? Peter learned that lesson the hard way. And so the Bible says he immediately cried out for help. How many here have ever been in a, in a position where you cry out for help? Jesus, help me. Jesus, save me, right? That's, that's all of us. And what does the Bible say? He immediately came and, and helped them and saved them. Jesus will immediately come to you. He's not going to say, well, I don't think you're, you're sincere enough. Um, give it another week. No, he's going to rush right into the moment you called on Jesus, he came and rescued you. Amen? He came that moment. Jesus isn't going to, to trouble you and, and make you beg for anything. You ask once, and he's there. And that's what I've learned from here. And that's what Peter learned as well as he was beginning to become transformed. 
Peter was the only one brave enough out of the 11 disciples that were on that boat, the only one that walked on water. None of the others said, well, if Jesus walked on water, I'm going to get out and walk. You didn't see anybody else saying that. They were all, their faith was lacking. Amen? And so here's what I know. When you step out in faith, God will never let you down. God will never let you down. He'll meet you in the middle of your challenge and provide a way that you can make it. The question for you today is, is God calling you out of your comfort zone? Is he calling you out of your comfort zone? And do you have the faith and are you brave enough to step out of that comfort zone? Sometimes God challenges us to step out of our comfort zone. But Lord, I, I like it right here. It's, it's good right here. Life is good and, you know, I don't have no extra worries. And I, Lord, I know if I start doing this, you know, you just never know what complications are going to have or happen and, or, and arise. And that's our comfort zone. God is always challenging us, isn't he? He's always, through his word, through his spirit, prodding us, poking us to grow. Why? Because he sees the capabilities that you have, the potential that each of you have. Amen. And that's ultimately what it takes to be a disciple of Christ. Well, the last point, and then I'm going to close, is Peter was the ordinary person, the brave person, but he was also bold. How many know that it takes boldness to be a disciple of Christ? Sometimes you have to declare in boldness the truth of God's word. And Peter was learning this every day, but he had much to learn still. Let's look at the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 13 through 19. And this is the last scripture I have for you. Matthew 16, starting in verse 13, the scriptures say, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus said, but what about you? Who do you say I am? In verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So much going on there in Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16. Essentially, Jesus is, is prophetically speaking to Simon Peter, telling him about his role in the church, telling him his role as a future leader, amen? But at the same time, Jesus asked his disciples the same question he's asking you and I today, the same question that Peter had to be faced with. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? And Jesus correctly remarked to, to Peter, you are correct that he is the Messiah. He is the son of God, of the living God. So how would you answer that question? Because that's going to determine 
your eternal destination, how you answer that question. Who is Jesus to you? I'll always remember a book I read years ago when I first became a believer. It's called Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. He was an attorney. He wrote this book kind of like a, a, a judge and with evidence and uh, speaking to jurors and such. And it's a really long book, but at the end, the conclusions that he comes to is um, that either you're going to define Jesus was Lord, lunatic, or liar in the Gospels. And ultimately, his conclusion was that Jesus is Lord of all. Amen? And so um, that book is, is something that helped me to understand who Jesus was. But at the same time, Jesus is asking you that. Who do you say that I am? There's, there's many other books in addition to the Bible that are written to uh, describe who Jesus was. Amen? And we all have to answer that question. And the question today is, can you clearly and boldly declare who Jesus is? Is he the Messiah? Yes, he is. Is he the son of the living God? Yes, he is. He himself used those words. And I know that for me, he's my Savior. He's my, he's my God. He's my Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Great I Am, amen, and on and on and on. And he's the same for each of you. We're all on that journey to confirm that, to realize that's who Jesus is. And that's what Peter was beginning to discover, even after walking for three years. It took him three years to ultimately recognize this is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So at this time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you to stand as we close today. We're going we're gonna to say a prayer here today. How many receive something today? Amen. 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 God is good, and His Word is alive. It's powerful, and He's still speaking to each of you today. I just want to encourage you that you're still being transformed. None of you have arrived. Pastor Rick has not arrived. There's some that have just arrived on the scene, like the beautiful baby we just saw the other night. Alana's uh, little baby, Brenda, and Alana came over, and we got to see little Opal. So beautiful Friday night. She's just arrived on the scene. She's got to walk through this journey of, of transformation for her own life and see what God does in her life. But all of you here today as grown adults, all God is asking you is, will you obey? Will you obey? That's all he wants is just obedience from all of us here today. Heavenly Father, we just come before you today. And Lord, we ask you, Father, that you would help us as we go through your word, as we receive this message today, just like Peter obeyed, that, Lord, that you would help us to obey your simple word. Whatever it is that we're being faced with, that each individual here today is faced with, tasked with, God, that you would speak. Lord, just help us to obey. Help us to step out in faith to step out of our comfort zone today and just say, here I am, Lord. Beg me to come out. Call me out, Lord. And just step out by faith and begin to tell them, here I am, Lord. I'm yours. Do with me as you will. Lead me, Lord. Guide me, Lord, and I will follow. Whatever direction you take me in, I will follow you, Lord. 
That's what Peter did. That's what the disciples did. It's the same thing he's asking you and I to do today. So Lord, we come before you today. We're asking that you would speak to everyone here today. If there's anyone here that, that needs prayer and you want to come up and receive prayer, I invite you to come up to this altar. If you're being transformed and, you, and, you, and you, maybe you might feel stuck in a rut, I want to invite you to come up here and I want to pray for you that God continues to minister, that God continues to show you and guide you His way. Lord, we love you. We want more of you. We want to be completely transformed from the inside out, Lord. Transform us. Renew our minds. Renew our hearts. Create in me a pure heart, Lord, just like David prayed. Create in me a pure heart, Lord. And Lord, make us new. And we give you thanks for that, Lord. We love you, Lord. Lord, we lift up those that have those uh, that are in need of a healing touch in their body. We pray for Elaine's stepson. We pray, Father, a complete recovery for him. God, that you continue to minister healing to him, that you would help him to regain his complete strength 100%, Father, that you would remind him also that you love him, that you care for him that you do have a plan for him. We pray the same for Ben, for Irene and Melody's nephew. We pray a complete, complete healing, a complete recovery, not only in his body, but in his mind, in his spirit. Father, we're asking you right now, remind Ben, your son, that you love him, that you have given him another chance at life, that you have a purpose for him. Begin to call on him, Lord, and remind him how, how much you love him with those that come and surround him, family members, that he would be reminded that you have a plan for him. Continue to pour out your healing on him. We pray for Grace, who meets with us on Zoom Wednesday night Bible studies. We pray for her diagnosis. The doctors give a certain report, but Lord, you're the ultimate physician. And Lord, we come against cancer. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And we declare supernatural healing upon her body, that you would cleanse her, remove any masses, any tumors, anything that affect her body right now in Jesus' name. We declare unto you, Father, you are the great healer. You are the great physician. And we look to you right now for healing. We trust you, Lord, by faith. We trust you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And Lord, every other need, anybody here have a need of physical need in your body, raise your hand or you know somebody, just raise your hand. Right now, Father, you see these hands that are lifted up. Touch them, Lord. Touch their backs, Lord. Touch their bodies. Touch their minds, Lord. Do a supernatural work in the name of Jesus, Lord. Fill them, Lord, with your strength and with your comfort today, with your peace, Father. Move on them, Lord, and remind them, God, that you walk with them and, and that you will never leave them nor forsake them, Lord. We pray that right now in the name of Jesus. We ask you that, Lord, today, that you would walk with us the remainder of this day. Lord, as we leave this house, Lord, May you be with each family member here today and those that couldn't be with us. We lift up prayer for Mother Betty that you would touch her body, Lord. Continue to be with her. Be her strength, Father. 
be her strength, Lord. We ask you that in Jesus' name. And we're going to close with the blessing. So if you would just all raise your hands again one last time. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' wonderful name. Receive that and have a great, great Sunday. God bless you all and see you on Wednesday night for those that like the Zoom Bible study. And if not, we'll see you on Sunday next week. God bless you.